0: Hey Adam. What's up? If I were to ask you about Aristotle, hmm. Socrates, hmm. Morons. Jay Z. <laughs> yeah. Kanye. Okay. What comes to mind? Um Philosophers. Ooh. People who talk a lot. Why are you why is your pinky up and why are you talking like that all know, of a when, sudden? <laughs> anytime, anytime
1: Greek gets mentioned. <laughs> I'm Adam Menace And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Jazz. Explain. Jazz explained, uh, maybe Jazz philosophy. philosophized. <laughs> Jazz philosophy.
0: Today. Why are we talking about philosophy? Peter, is a music podcast. Well, because I had an idea uh-huh. that we would interview each other about our backgrounds. And, and would you've... that be something you might be interested in? Well, kind of. <laughs> now you weren't really that interested in it. <laughs> well, we've just Wait. recently done that, I feel well, like. It was a year ago. It was almost a year ago. Yeah, but yeah. you had a great idea to talk maybe specifically about our musical philosophies. Yeah, that's and, right. And maybe even a few life philosophies. Because we have a lot of, I don't mm-hmm. know if you know about this, Mm -hmm. Um, we have a lot of new listeners to the pod here I don't know why yeah because we've been doing this for a while I mean I know why we're great the podcast is great obviously Uh, it's like flies on Scheiser they're coming you know oh my god sorry (laughs) (laughs) Um, no but I mean we do have a (laughs) bunch of new listeners I think some people might come on here and be like wow this is cool but who are these guys that's what I always think when I I was still thinking
1: about the German phrase I just heard that's ridiculous (laughs) well it's half German (laughs) half German Uh, so, so so this episode, we're going to be talking about your musical philosophy, my musical philosophy, both?
0: Yes. Okay. Well, wait, hold up. You, you're you the one who came up with this.
1: So. Well, I'm just, I'm trying to clarify. This is your, this is a, a joint
0: vision. It's a joint vision. Double but vision. But I, we're, I, seeing, I, we're seeing double. What we're thinking for you guys, our dear listeners- this is an opportunity to um, kind of get to know us a little bit, and the way I look at it is kind of like, why am I listening to these guys? Maybe you think we're entertaining, maybe you think we're enlightening. We hope so, and we welcome you in, and we're happy that you are here. Yeah. But we feel like we need to give a little bit of a a little bit of a stamp of approval for ourselves. Yeah. For you guys, in case you don't know who we are, um, and that's why I was talking about the background. But as as you're right, we did do that recently. Yeah. But it's kind of like can we answer the question of why am I listening to these guys or why are these guys experts on what they're talking about?
1: Yeah. Or at least, you know, are we experts? What well, kind of <laughs> at least, uh, how, how, you reluctant, know, reluctant, reluctant experts, maybe some insight into how we think about the art that we make, which is interesting. Also, I just want to put out there too. Yes, you can listen to this, but I encourage you to, to listen to, uh, music as well so if you want to know peter martin's musical philosophy <laughs> oh, right. you can also just listen to his records and that's you'll right. get a great idea of the end
0: result so but these are fun and likewise to you yeah you know, um you know to you check know. out adam manison specifically your your trio and your group the 442s because that's really a manifestation i think of your musical outlook and philosophy save for podcast save for podcast oh, talk <laughs> about it a bit. yeah yeah um no, this, but that's a good point. That's a good point. So, yeah. So But because we do talk about music and other musicians and the current scene, the historical jazz scene and all this, um, we, we don't just play, which is fine. Look, a lot of musicians just play. A lot of musicians just talk, which is not great. That's not great. We're, we're supposed to be musicians first and foremost. So, yes, listen to the music. But you know
1: what this is, man, this what? Is,
0: this could, you know what can, we can kind of frame this as? This is an airport conversation
1: between musicians. You know what I mean? You have those. You're on a long tour. Yeah, you're in a some airport
0: somewhere. Maybe a little in, delays going on. There's
1: so, you're somewhere
0: in Asia. Yeah,
1: you're just sitting there <laughs> for hours. You have no idea, and you're just next to this drummer you've been with for a week. and You don't really know him. Who are you? Yeah, <laughs> what's going on? What do you What do you think of this? Right, you know. So we were,
0: or like a long car ride, the, the van van conversation. Fun story about philosophizing in airports years ago, and I'm gonna if I can remember this, I'm gonna tell you the exact year. I would say this is ni- No, I know it's 1992. <laughs> ever okay. heard of it? Yeah, barely. How, how old were you? Were you alive then? I was, al- I was twelve. Still. Oh, you were twelve. Yeah. Okay. Thirteen. 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 Okay. So I was twenty-one, mm-hmm. and uh, I was playing with a group called the Jazz Futures Two. Oh no, I wasn't. I'm sorry. Futures <laughs> made of <laughs> jazz. <laughs> exactly. No, actually, I wasn't. I did that year. I'm I'm confusing stories. But no, I was. Who was I in actually, the Jazz Futures? Jazz Futures was Nicholas Payton Oh my God. Um, uh, Christopher Thomas. Wow. Brian Blade. Jeez um ronald westray on trombone okay um and some other herb harris on tenor saxophone herb harris yeah kind of a a lost uh soul in jazz great player he kind of drifted off into i'm not sure what i think he's had stopped playing for many years really good player that, that was up around that time and i'm probably forgetting somebody i think no i think that's the whole group yeah, sex debt. Hmm. Um, but anyway, this was around that time. I'm confusing. We, this was not a Jazz Futures tour. I was actually going to do a gig. I played a little bit with Wynton Marsalis' small group during that time, mainly subbing for Eric Reed. But then also kind of, I did a couple tours. Hey, look right behind you there. You dropped that. Oh, I dropped it. Drop the name. Drop that there it name is. there. It yeah, that's true. Pick that up. But philosophizing at airports. Wynton Marsalis, who's one of our great philosophers and promoters yeah, and, and just orators about the music, certainly of of this generation. We were sitting for a flight i remember in uh, washington dc that's right i had done a gig with jazz futures the night before and i'm going to do a gig with winton for npr in seattle and um, we're flying to just the meet just winton and i we're sitting there at the gate we're there early northwest airlines big shout out to them remember them they went bankrupt um unrelated to us sitting there shout out northwest (laughs) sorry it didn't work out so uh, we, up, we, were, we got into this heated, not really heated, but just intense discussion. And Win was like, yeah, you know, cats today need to do this. That's what I love about you young cat You know, he was just like, I was like, first of all, you're not that much older than me. But he was doing his whole thing. Win can was, be dogmatic for sure. He was very yeah. dogmatic, especially then. But just, I was just mesmerized and we're back and forth talking about different things and Miles Davis and all this blah, blah, blah. We're sitting at the gate, blah, blah, blah. We were there early, so much time back and forth. All of a sudden we look up and Win's like, man, where'd everybody go? I was like, what do you mean? There's nobody at the gate. They're on the, they're on the plane. They're playing. They're already on the way to Seattle. Oh my God. We missed the flight. So we go up to the counter and I was like, uh, the flight leave like, yes. Are you Mr. Martin and Mr. said, Yeah. Oh, we've been calling you. We've been calling your name. You guys got caught up in the philosophy. (laughs) And then we had to like you lost we track had with to reality, to book with another flight, and I was like, "Hey, Win, you're a big time jazz star. Take well, care of my ticket, please." You know what? Well, let's
1: let's we can we can weave this right into the episode because this and that be, story was so long that might be the episode that <laughs> might be more about a time. Thanks, folks, for coming to the no. Uh, but you know what we could do is is talk about how like the first the first sort of artistic philosophy that you can embrace from a very high level is how much do you talk about stuff? Like how much do you talk about it and how much do you decidedly not talk about it and just let things happen? So famously, some musicians love to talk about music and discuss, analyze what's going on, what are the changes, all of these little micro Jacob Collier things. And then some musicians, famously Roy Hargrove, famously Miles Davis, didn't like to talk about much of it at all. Right. Because they felt like they would lose some of the, the magic, some of the mystery that's in it. Yeah. So maybe we could talk about our personal philosophy with that. I think most people are going to understand. We have a podcast. <laughs> well, we host of, what this. used to be a daily <laughs> podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but obviously we don't fall super into the latter, although I will say it's two degrees because I think that you instinctually. Uh, it's not that you don't want to talk about it, but I do feel like you you tend to I've noticed leave a lot of things open. Uh, which is really smart. Like it's only out of ignorance. No, 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 that. no. I don't think it is at all. I think it's because I think it's out of wisdom. You think you leave a lot of things in your musical philosophy open because things change. We change as people. Yeah. The music we love changes. We change as musicians. And it seems to me like uh, you you like getting in there and talking about some really important stuff, but not you don't go like all the way down to the minutiae and really dig in,
0: I think as much as I like to do. And hmm. I think that is a degree difference between the two of us. You know, that, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that, but I think that's that is probably accurate. I think it's also layered in for me with um, something that I used to hear a lot. Is just sort of a general philosophy about learning music or learning art or really learning anything that I didn't understand and probably didn't agree with because I just hadn't experienced it yet. And that's this idea of like the more you learn, the more you realize what you don't know. Right. And I was always like, well, that's stupid because I just (laughs) won't learn anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, well, what am I doing this for? But it's like, okay, if I have a cup and I want it to be full by the time I'm a hundred years old or by the time I die, then surely the, as the cup gets, okay, yeah, maybe it goes up and down a little bit, but in general, as I'm getting close to that cup being full of water or full of knowledge, then there's less that I don't know. That's why I couldn't understand, like the logical side of my my pea brain. Interesting, yeah. But not. But then I started to realize that that's like it isn't just a cup. It's like like it's not predefined what we are to know, what we can know, yeah. what we can teach others. And what part of, like, an artistic philosophy we can be part of. Like, the knowledge base, yes, but also the experience base and the vision based and and the collaboration, you know, all these different things. So I think it is, like, the more experience you have, the more knowledge, which those become intertwined, the more uh, confidence you have does lead, I've found, to realizing, wow, there's so much more out there, which becomes exciting because – you know, I think some people get to, don't get to that point. Yeah. Not through no fault of their own, but they they just they either don't want to or they just they don't work to the point where they can see over that mountain to see like or maybe they peek over the mountain, they see all there there is still to do and they're not excited by that. They're scared by that. Yeah. Right, it, so they turn around and like I'm I'm comfortable with what I have, which
1: well, is fine too. Or there's the kind of flip of that where it's like you are so convinced that knowledge is the key to being a better player right. that you can almost get paralyzed by yeah. the amount of knowledge that you have to do, or the fact that like, well, I don't know this, therefore I can't be this good or whatever. I don't understand everything I'm doing, therefore it doesn't count. That's actually not true in art you or had, music.
0: If only you had come up with a phrase that would explain that. Oh, something like, <laughs> I
1: don't know, you can't information your way to being a better player. I like that. Yeah. I like that. But TM. that's totally true, right? It because. Is. This is not like we don't go to a gig and say, all right, everybody, look at all this theory I know enjoy you know exactly. that's not the performance the performance is us you know moving sound around in the air and providing a vibe and it's not just sound it's it's like it's a it's a show like we're in this, yeah. we're in technically <laughs> with pencils down jazz musicians you're <laughs> technically in show business right. and so it all counts like how it looks counts how how it is presented in a live format in a room counts
0: well not only does it count to most listeners, especially the type that we're supposedly uh, aspiring to imp- to uh, get to, yeah, the casual listener, not other jazz musicians that will never buy a ticket that are, they call you, put me on the guest list plus three. I'll let you know if I can make it later. You know, yeah, uh, the actual listeners that we want to get to when we talk about expanding our audience and stuff, they, it's not a matter of like the theory and what our abilities are. Outside of being entertainers that doesn't impress them that's zero to them they right. because they don't even know what that is like that means so little to them they could it's not even that they could care less it's not even on their radar they don't even know what it, <laughs> they, they should be liking within that regard right and, and I used to get so angry when I first realized but that's not wrong it's not wrong it's yeah. actually right but yeah. when I was younger I would make me mad because people would come in and be like oh play some music or they would they would act like it's such a minor thing of what we're doing yeah and actually it is like all the, and I would be like, do you realize how hard it is to do this? This isn't like doing those other kind of music. You got to work hard. Because we don't necessarily, nor should we, you know, um, exhibit the pomp and circumstance that, big shout out to all my classical brothers. I'm not talking down to you, but, and sisters. But, you know, the pomp and circumstance that's kind of included as part of the classical world. Yeah. It's sort of already built in. Yeah. So they don't have to act in that way, but there's a certain kind of reverence to the music and to the skills and to the arts just because it's older and because some powdered wigs were involved. I don't know. But Like that's just built into the culture of it totally. the same way, kind of hipsterism and being cool is built into the jazz world in certain ways, you know, which is great because that's all part of the story and the folklore and the, you know, the, 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 the myth around these kind of musics that does get people interested in it. Yeah. It definitely isn't the core changes. No, it
1: definitely is not. And if it is, then it's you're not, you're just not going to reach a lot of people. Right. Because that's just not that interesting to people who don't know. Uh, Literally, I mean, think about how much you have to know to realize the difference in subtle chord changes intellectually. Right. It's a stupid thing to expect an audience to know. Your audience is going to feel stuff. And some of the most popular... And also artistically heralded music. I'm thinking of Kamasi Washington, who makes like these epic sounding and simple harmonically. I mean, there's some hip stuff, of course, happening like all great jazz musicians. There's like like couched in with some very simple and big ideas or some very slick stuff happening. But in general, that's a palette that like, anybody could understand what's happening there because it's so raw and vital. You know what I mean? That's to me is like a North star. I mean, like not, not that I want to make music exactly like that because I I couldn't possibly, but like the, the spirit behind that, the, and that's to me what, you know, for me, my band, the four forty twos, which is not decidedly not jazz straight ahead jazz at all. It's just like pre, you know, um, uh, uh, Through composed things with members of of the St. Louis Symphony here and our buddy Bob DeBoo. Um, But that for me is my outlet to like do, you know, I have a lot of just two or three or four chord songs with that. That is really, really rewarding to try to make those artistically, you know, at a a high level as opposed to just like messing with chord changes, which you know I love to nerd out on. I'm not
0: opposed to that. When I think a lot of people would be surprised if they were to hear your teachings and follow you there and then come to your music only through the 442s, for instance. It just shows another element of who you are and what your musical philosophy is. But they might be like, wow, I don't hear any drop twos in there. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> that's, the, that's the case with everybody. You got Larry
1: Goldings playing with James Taylor. Right, right now, the, James Taylor is fairly harmonically sophisticated for a pop yeah. act, right? But Larry Goldings can do all of this crazy, you know, amazing jazz piano stuff. Right. But he's also known for being able to do this really beautiful, simple orchestration on the
0: keyboards, right? right? And or- And to be able to do you know the funk organ stuff at a high level with maceo parker people are surprised if they've only heard that and then like what he can play bebop i'm like when i met him that's all he was playing dude
1: there's no there doesn't have to be a delineation that's so clear that this is like art music and complicated and weird and this is simple pop music and i think most of that is in the heads of people who aren't really doing it yeah you know what i mean because musicians don't really seem to give a shit about that at all no no
0: so um, well, this was cool. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. Philosophy, we're going to call this one Jazz Philosophy 101. What we, did we land
1: on a some kind of like
0: <laughs> codified philosophy? Or no, we just kind of... No, we just... You know what we landed on? What? Peter and Adam are philosophers. I play... Or, no, I'm sorry. Peter and Adam think they're jazz philosophers. <laughs> I play, therefore, I am.
1: <laughs> I amed. I made up a word. <laughs> that was good. That was fun. Thanks, yeah, Adam. Uh, well, we will be back on Wednesday until then. You'll hear it.